Thank you for that singing. You may be seated as pastor comes at this time and the children are dismissed to Children's Church. Hey, Carl, when you're done helping the kids, would you run downstairs and stir that pot on the stove? Make sure it's not boiling too much. Don't want the stuff to scorch. Thank you. All right, yeah, we're having a fellowship meal afterwards, and I'm sure that all of those wonderful smells are emanating up from the fellowship hall down there. So please want to encourage you to stay, want to um, have you have a great time together as we just enjoy one another's company, and then we move on into our deacon care things. Everyone who regularly tends here at Calvary is is part of a deacon care group. If you don't know what group you're in, it doesn't matter. We'll help you get that sorted out when you're downstairs. So please plan to stay and be part of our service and our fellowship time together this morning. All right, we're going to jump back into where we were last Sunday. We want to pick up where we left off um, Last week we were um, looking at Paul and how he was encouraging us to be ready to step into the battle. All right, the Christian life is definitely a battle. It's not an easy ride. It's not something that we sit back in the armchair, put our feet up, and just kind of coast through. It is a battle. And if we're walking the worthy walk like we've been talking about so far in our study in the book of Ephesians, When you're doing what God wants you to do, when you're living life the way God wants you to live, you will face a battle because Satan's not going to be happy about your faithfulness. He's not going to be happy that you're not a a couch potato type Christian. He's going to be upset about that. He's going to try and knock you off your course. Um, The wicked one is going to be out in full force. Remember what Peter said, beware of your adversary, the devil who walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So you might say to yourself, oh, what do I do about that? How do, how do I defend myself against this lion that's walking about like uh, he wants to bite my head off? Well, God has given us what we need. He has given us the armor of God. And, and Paul wants us to understand here, in preparation for the life we live, the worthy walk, the battles that we will face, he wants us to understand that this armor is effective in protecting us against the roaring lion. All right, so we started off by reminding ourselves that, yes, we have this armor at our disposal. What do we do with it? Well, we must put it on. In verses 10 through 12 of Ephesians chapter 6, we must put on the armor of God. It, it does no good to have, <coughs> excuse me, to have this armor at our disposal and not to use it. Okay, you must make a choice. God doesn't put it, he doesn't wake up and it's not like, you know, what is it, Tony Stark who walks into his, his special room and all of a sudden his armor comes on, on him. That's not the way it is with the Christian life. You have to make a choice to put on the armor. And next week we're going to look at the various pieces of the armor and, and we're going to put on the armor of God. And that armor is what helps us walk the walk. But why the armor? What's the purpose of the armor? Paul wants us to understand why God has given us this armor and what we are supposed to accomplish when we put on the armor of God. First of all, in verse 10, we see the purpose of the armor, and that armor helps us be strong in the Lord. 
Okay? A lot of us are, especially if you're of the male persuasion, we kind of like to do things ourselves, our own, and we don't often reach out and ask for help. Okay? Um, when we lived in South Africa, we had a hard, I had, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of a guy who at least thinks he can do more than he can usually do especially when it comes to making repairs and fixing things. And, and so um, we had a problem with something leaking in our bathroom. And, and so I get under the tub, and it was all tiled in, and there was this little box that you had to take off, and you, a little door, and you could get your hands under there a little bit. And I'm trying to fix the leak underneath the tub, and I'm not having much success. And I just kind of, in frustration, said, man, if my brother were here, he'd come help me. Because it wasn't, I mean, who am I going to call? I live in Africa, right? I'm not from Africa, okay? And we weren't, hadn't been there very long. And, and my wife kind of walks in like she sometimes does, and she has great wisdom often to offer to me. She says, well, is there anyone here that you could call? And I'm thinking, you know, he lives there, it's too far. So, so. I suppose I could call Carlos, so I got on the phone, and I called Carlos, and I said, Hey, Carlos, I'm having a hard time. I'm trying to fix my, my tub. It's leaking underneath. Um, do you think you could come help me? Yeah, Pastor, I'll be right there. So he gets in his car, and he comes over, and within you know, 15 minutes, we had, a, we had it fixed. But I thought, I don't need his help. I don't need anybody. You know, we as Christians need God's help. We, we can't do it on our own. And God has graciously given us this armor, and yet sometimes we don't get it through our heads that we need to put it on. Because it doesn't do any good if you don't put it on. I mean, how many hunters in here do we have? How many of you guys like to go out in the woods, and usually when it's deer season, except for this year, it's normally pretty cold, right? So you get up, and, and what do you do? You, you put on your long johns or your, your base layer, as they call it now. Um, you put on that base layer, and then, like if you're like me, you put on your insulated jeans, and then you put on your camo stuff, and you go out and you sit there in the cold, and you're shivering, waiting for that deer to show up. But if you haven't prepared, if you haven't put on what you need to put on, and you go out there in your shorts and your T-shirt, you're going to freeze. But you make a conscious decision the night before what you're going to put on to go out, to be in the woods, to be ready, to be prepared to accomplish what you want to accomplish on that day. Paul says, put on the armor. You can't do it in your own strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, the source of our power is the Lord and not ourselves. We can't do things in our own strength that have eternal benefits. We can't do things that will last and be of service to our great God in our own power. There's a lot of people out there that are doing things in their own power, in their own strength. And you know what? When they die, whatever they've done dies with them. Doesn't have eternal value. Put it on in the power of his might. When we are clothed in the armor of our great God... We remind ourselves that we do this in God's strength, not in our own strength. Not only do we look at per the purpose of the armor, but we saw that we need to practice with the armor. Put on the whole armor of God. How many of you like to read the instructions? How come there's no guys raising their hands? 
Yeah, that's another guy thing, right? The first thing you do is you open the box, and usually right at the top are the directions, and you take the directions and you set them aside, and you proceed to put the thing together without the directions. And you only get the directions out if you've run into three or four problems that you can't get beyond, right? And you're like, man, why is this so hard? And my wife, again, is in the background saying, because you didn't read the directions? No, man, it's because they didn't do it right when they put it. Of course it's because you didn't read the directions. Put on the whole armor of God. That's what Paul is giving us. He's giving us directions here. Put on the whole armor. Don't pick and choose. Don't say, oh, well, I I don't need the, the, the breastplate. I can just get along with whatever. Don't forget the helmet. Don't forget. No, put it all on. It all goes together. When I was younger, I used to play hockey. Okay? And hockey is, hockey is one of those sports that you have to put the equipment on in a particular order. Because if you don't and you put something on first, you oh, man, I forgot this guy. So you got to take the other stuff off and put the, like, I don't know what they wear now, but we used to have garter belts when I played hockey. What's that? Well, it's this, this little thin belt that came on. It had things hanging down here that you clipped your socks on so that they wouldn't fall down around your ankles while you're skating down the ice. And you put all these things on in the right order. You see, the armor of God is similar to that. You put it on in the right order, and one piece helps the other piece, benefits the other piece, and if you got it all on, Satan can't get you. That's the truth. Put on the whole armor of God. Don't pick and choose. God put it together so it's a unit, so it's, a, it's complete armor that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. We also saw that this armor is perfect armor. This armor that God has given us has no gaps, has no holes. Well, we'll get to the one gap that there is in the armor, but it's not a big deal because we're not supposed to turn around and run from the, from the devil. We're supposed to face him head on. All right, we'll get to that next week. But this perfect armor is made to face the battles that you and I go through on a regular basis. It's just like the armor that a soldier puts on. When we send our soldiers into battle, we send them with armor that is effective, that is going to keep them safe in the war that they're fighting. We don't send guys into a snowy, uh, snow-covered area in and, and brown camouflage, we send them in with white uniforms, white, white armor, white suits that protect them in the snowy areas. And vice versa, we don't send them into the jungles in white suits. It's all made to protect them doing what it is they're doing, where they're doing it. Satan can't impact us, can't affect us, can't do anything that God doesn't want to have happen to us if we're wearing the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. It's the perfect armor. It's the armor that gives us victory. And you know why we have victory? It's not because of what we do. It's because Christ has already obtained the victory. When he hung on that cross and just before he died, he said, it is finished. And he guaranteed for us victory in the Christian life because he defeated Satan on the cross. What was finished, that promise that was made all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 where it said um, the seed of woman will crush the head of Satan. 
What a great promise that was, and what a great fulfillment it was on the cross of Calvary. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, that's why Satan tried to keep Jesus from getting to the cross. So often he brought up, you know, let's kill Jesus this way. Let's kill him that way. And, and I love the, the, the spots in the New Testament, the Gospels that say Jesus did this and Jesus slipped out of here. And Jesus, Satan couldn't beat Jesus, couldn't defeat Jesus, couldn't kill Jesus until Jesus voluntarily went to the cross for you and I. That's the victory. That's when Jesus secured for us victory. So when we put on the armor, we're putting on the armor because God has said, put on the armor and go do battle. Go face the wicked one. All right, we're going to jump back into our text now, and we're going to see, again, the purpose of the armor. The purpose of the armor is, number one, it exposes the devil. We looked at this briefly last week, uh, and the text says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, if you haven't opened your copy of the scriptures there, that's where we are this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10 on down to verse 13. It exposes the devil. What, is, what does it mean to expose the devil? It points, the de- points out the devil for who he is. Okay, um, when, e- when Eve was in the garden and Satan came, he disguised himself as a serpent. That's not what the devil looks like, okay? We don't really know what the devil... I know that he doesn't have red... He's not dressed in red with a tail and, a, and horns, okay? That's not who the devil is. The devil takes on whatever form he feels he needs to to try to disguise himself and trick you and deceive you. Okay? But the devil um, it needs to be exposed. We need to know who he is. And Paul says he's a wily, crafty, deceitful, wicked individual or, or, or entity. Okay? And that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan never comes at you and says, hey, if you do this, you're going to blow it up this way. You're going to mess up this way. You know, you're going to separate yourself from the sweet fellowship of God. He never does that. Because you and I would say, well, get out of here, Satan. We don't want anything to do with you then. He comes and he lies. For example, the first temptation in the garden. Hath God said... Did God really say this to you, Eve? What was he trying to do? He was trying to cast doubt. He was kind, he's trying to say, God really doesn't have your best interest at heart. He, he, he lied about God. He said, God, you, you won't surely die if you eat of this fruit. And there was a little bit of truth in that because Eve was thinking physical death. And Satan knew that God didn't mean she would physically die. Because God told them that they were going to fill the earth, right? So how can you die if you're going to fill the earth, right? So, so Eve didn't understand or didn't pay attention or whatever, and Satan deceived her. When she ate of the fruit, she died. How did she die, Pastor? Well, she was immediately separated from fellowship with God. She spiritually died. And she gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate, and guess what? He died too, at that moment. Physically separated from God, dead. Hence Paul writes, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And you hath he quickened. It was God who made us alive because we were dead. Can I tell you this? Every person who is ever born into this world, you're going to love this, 
is born dead. Pastor, that doesn't make any sense. Yes, it makes absolute sense. You are separated from God. You are born into a world as a sinner who needs salvation. From the get-go, you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. As you get older and you are exposed to the truth of the gospel, you're exposed to revelation of truth, and the Holy Spirit works in your heart as we heard through Chris and Cheryl's testimonies this morning. The Holy Spirit convicts you and chides you and brings you to a point where you, oh yeah, I need to trust Jesus as my Savior. Or you reject that offer. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been chided, you've heard the gospel before, and God has, has convicted you and he said, ah, not me. You're, you're like the guy who's trying to put the stuff together without the directions. I don't need that. I can do it all myself. No, you can't. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. And God needs to quicken your heart. And he does that through the preaching of the word of God. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're never going to get saved outside of the word of God. Satan wants to cause you to doubt the word of God. So so the armor exposes the devil for who he is. And then Paul goes on and he explains the nature of the battle. We have here a lesson on the enemy. First of all, we understand and we need to know, Paul says, that this battle is not a human battle. It's not a battle that we we fight against one another. We don't go out and do hand-to-hand combat with each other in the battles that we face. This battle is against Satan and his minions. Satan and those that he influences and controls. Sometimes the very demons and Satan's angels are at work with us and we are doing battle against that. That's why we need God's armor, heavenly armor, to protect us from Satan's attacks. It's not a human battle. We also understand that this battle is a hard battle not an easy battle. You know, if you don't know who the enemy is all the time, how do you fight him? One of the most difficult wars we ever fought as America was what war? The Vietnamese War, because we didn't know who the enemy was. We just didn't know. It could be this, this guy walking up that thinks or presents himself as somebody who needs help, and he blows up a bunch of people. We didn't know the enemy. 9-11, we didn't know the enemy. We didn't know where they were, who they were. It was totally unprecedented type of thing. We, we didn't even know it was going to happen. Satan is like that. Things can be going so well in life, you're on the top of the mountain. Yes, God, praise God for what you're doing in my life. Life is so good, and then Satan comes in and boom, sucker punches you. Didn't even see it coming. Beware. Beware. If you don't put on the armor every day, you face those attacks and sometimes they take you down. The battle is hard. Paul says we wrestle against. Let's talk about this word wrestle for a minute. I want you, first of all, when you think of the word wrestle in the scriptures, please don't think of the WWE, okay? I mean, I used to watch that when I, was, when I was little, when I was growing up. My cousin and I, we'd go over, I'd go over to his house every Saturday morning, and we'd watch it. And then, you know what, before, before the, the TV show was over, we were doing it. We, there, we turned their living room into whatever, and we were just you know, off the couches and off the walls, and we were on top of each other. That's all fake. Great athletes, great actors, but it's fake. 
If you want to know and understand what real wrestling is, go down to your local high school when they're having a wrestling match. Or your local college when they're having a Or watch it on the Olympics. Because that's what real wrestling is. Most of the stuff you see on the WWE or WWF, whatever it is now, is all showboating. And they're all wasting time. They're all dancing around the ring. You know what? In real wrestling, you don't get to dance around on the mats. If you don't get into it and get yourself, your hands on each other uh, within a certain amount of time, they, they're going to give you a, a warning for stalling. And if you don't, you don't heed that warning, they're going to start taking points away from you for stalling. Is that correct? Yeah. And what they want you to do is they want you to get in close. They want you to get together. They want to get your hands on each other. They want you down on the mat where you're grappling against each other. Okay? And, and the moment you get away from each other and you're kind of like, I need a break, the referee starts counting. One, two. And, and if, if you stall, he's going to warn you. Get back in it, guys. Come on. And you're on the mat and you're, you're, you're just fighting it out. And you're trying to get the benefit. You're, you're, it's hand-to-hand. And, and the strongest, quickest, wiliest guy is probably the guy who's going to end up winning the match. Because they're at it and they're, they're going together. They're facing off against each other. You're mixing it up all the time when you're wrestling. Paul says, we don't re-, that's what it is. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Men and women, that's not who our battle is against. And we're, when we do battle, it's hand to hand. It's come on, let's get it on. And you're doing it and you're, you're going at it. And you're, you're, you're trying to catch your breath. And you're waiting for that. Okay, the first, finally, that first round is over. Let me take 30 seconds and catch my breath. And then you're right back at it. Again and again until the match is over. You see, you and I, have to understand that this fight that we are in, this battle that we are in, Satan is not going to give us a break. That's why you need the armor that God has given to us. The battle is hard. He also talks in our passage, in our text, the, about the hostiles. Who, who are we battling against? Who are, the, who are the ones who are bringing up the hostilities against us? Well, he says, first of all, it's the principalities. The rulers in the demonic realm. Pastor, you really believe that's true? Absolutely. 100% believe that it's true. So when we, when we do battle, we're doing it against the principalities of the darkness of this age. We say, Pastor, how do we even, we don't even know who they are. We don't even see them. You're right. But here's the good news. When Christ hung on the cross, he defeated those dark powers. He defeated Satan. He defeated his demons and his minions. Jesus defeated the wicked foes so we're not bound to their schemes and their desires and their their objects of trickery. You and I have already had the victory won for us through Jesus Christ. We just have to submit to him. We have to allow him to lead us. He said, Pastor, how does he do that? Well, there's two ways and they work hand in hand. It's the word of God and the spirit of God. They work hand in hand, and if you're not in the Word of God, you don't give the Spirit of God anything to work with, so you're in trouble. Not that he can't still work, but it's like the guy who kept praying, God, help me win the lottery, help me win the lottery. God finally answered him and said, at least buy a ticket, would you? Not that I'm telling you to go buy a ticket for the lottery. I don't think that's a good idea. But you know what? You can't win. Oh, man, that's a bad thing, too. What's the saying? You can't win it if you're not in it. 
You can't expect God to use the tools that he has equipped you with if you're not studying about the tools, if you're not learning about the tools, if you're not exposing yourself to the word of God. Because what is it that God uses? When Jesus was tempted by Satan, what did he do? Absolutely, he quoted scripture. Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. Where is it written? In the word of God. Yeah. We don't need all this other stuff. We need the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life all the time. In fact, He is in, all, in your life all the time. It just depends on how much you let Him control you. Principalities. Powers. We're also fighting and battling against the powers. It's another rank of the demons, if you will. Satan's powerful army that's out to limit the ministry of Christians in the world today. You see, Satan doesn't want you to be effective. He doesn't want you to be faithful. He wants you to be sitting down on the sidelines. When I played, I never wanted to be on the sidelines. I wanted to be in the action. I wanted to be out there playing the game. Whenever the coach, usually I started, and you know how, well, at least back in my day, everybody got to play. Now, if you weren't really good, you only got to play for one inning. But in the starters, all, the good players always started, so I usually got to start. And I would wait, because every, every, like at the fourth inning, the coach would say, okay, you sit down on the bench, you sit down on the bench, you get a bat. You're, I never wanted to hear my name say, hey, go sit on the bench. I want to be in there playing. You and I, as Christians, we want to be in there, or we should want to be in there every day. But Satan wants to take you out. He wants to limit your effectiveness. He wants to use sin in your life to keep you from being able to do what he has called you to do. That's why you need the armor. We're battling against the principalities. We're battling against the powers. He goes on, he says, we're battling against the rulers of the darkness of this age. That could possibly be the demons that are influencing the leaders of our countries and our societies and our, our, our powerful, influential organizations. They're trying to eliminate God from our society. You and I, we need to stand against those people that are stand, trying to do that. And, and the most effective way we can do that is by being a testimony, by speaking about what God is doing in our lives. Standing for what is right. Standing for what is true. Standing on the front lines, if you will. I'm not telling you to break the law to do it, but I'm telling you to do it. And if you do have to break the law, you better be ready to face the consequences. But even if you do have to face those consequences, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going with you. He's not going to leave you. He also says we fight against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Those demons that are probably involved in the most wretched and vile immoralities. Those demons that are involved in sexual perversion. The occult. Satanic worship. Those kinds of things. And, and let me tell you, it's out there. Don't be deceived and think that it's not. What's happening later on today? You all know, right? 
It's a Super Bowl. And you know what? It's not so much the way it is now, but up to a couple years ago, sex trafficking was one of the biggest things that took place during the Super Bowl. It's crazy. Crazy how it happens. We're all sitting down watching a game and these wicked, perverse people are behind the scenes trafficking these people who can't, can't get out of it. Wicked. Awful stuff. Some groups have shined the light on that so it's not as bad as it was at one time. But you and I, we need to stand against those things because Satan wants to crumble our society. You know, I'm not trying to get political here, but you know why Rome fell, right? No nation ever defeated Rome. They were never beat in a military conquest. Rome fell from within. They crumbled from within. Why? Because of the immorality, because of the perversion, because of the fact that they wanted nothing to do with God in their society and made laws to keep him out. Sound familiar? Stand against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul goes on as he's preparing us to put on the armor and get into the battle. He says, I need to remind you of the evilness of the day. There's no more appropriate reminder for us today. The days that we live in are evil. Since man's fall in the Garden of Eden, we've lived in evil days. And it seems like they're getting more and more evil with each passing day. Every day until Satan is cast into the lake of fire, till the angel binds him and throws him into the pit. It's going to get worse and worse. You can read about it in the book of Jude. Worse and worse and worse. So, Paul says, put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day having done all to stand. Paul says, don't be the kind of person who comes to God and says, but God, I didn't. Because God is going to say, yeah, but you had everything you needed. It was all there for you. It was all at your disposal. How do we fight? What's the mindset we need? Well, can I tell you this? Persistence is required. Before going into the description of the armor, Paul tells the Ephesians and he is telling us today that there are two things that God's armor will help us do in the evil days. First of all, the armor of God will help us resist the devil. When Paul tells us to withstand, he's telling us the same thing that James told his readers in the letter that he wrote over in James chapter 4. Go ahead and turn there with me if you would. James chapter 4. What does James tell his readers in James chapter 4? He says to them, Submit yourselves therefore to God. In other words, put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God. And then he says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Don't let the devil run roughshod over your life. Resist him. What does it mean to resist? It means to stand up and, and, and stand against him. Tell him no. 
Get out of here. Not going to do it. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with having a verbal conversation when you're being tempted, even if you're the only one listening. Because you know what that does? It reminds you of the promises of God. It reminds you of the power of God in your life. I don't have to give in. You think that Jesus whispered to himself, get thee behind me, Satan? I don't know that he saw Satan. I mean, he probably did because he sees everything. But as a normal person, do we see Satan? All No. But we feel him pressuring us. We feel him tempting us. We feel him dragging us and pushing us. Get out of here, Satan. Get thee behind me. I don't have to give in to you because Jesus crushed your head. Yeah, he did. Stomped it right into the ground. Satan's defeated. We don't have to live like he's got the upper hand. Get thee behind me, Satan. Resist him. And you know what? When Jesus resisted Satan, what did he do? The scripture is very clear. It says, he left him for a more opportune time. He left, he fled, but he was going to come back. So when you resist the devil, don't let your guard down because you got to know he's coming back. Because his goal is to take you out of the battle. Resist the devil. That's the first thing that he says to us. And keep on resisting. Keep on putting up the resistance. Keep on refusing to give in. Resist the devil. And then he says, remain firm. Stand. Stand having done all to stand. In other words, we stand until our life on earth is done. We never quit standing. We never quit standing firm. Many people have been faithful in ministry for, for much of their lives. They've served and served and served. But then they decide to retire. Can I tell you something? You might retire from your job, whatever that is. But as a Christian, you never retire from walking with God. You never quit. You never stop. We must remain faithful till either God calls us home or... We hear the trumpet sound. Man, I'm, I'm waiting for that trumpet sound. I'd love for it to be today. Let it come. Jesus, whenever you're ready. Waiting for that day when God says to Jesus, go and get your bride because today's your wedding day. Woo! We all like a wedding, right? We are the bride of Christ. And when Jesus comes back, we're going home to be with him and we're going to have that wedding feast going to be an amazing day can i encourage you don't quit serving until you see him face to face and then life will take on a whole new meaning something we've never ever experienced in our lives remain faithful till the trumpet sounds my first pastor that i really remember used to tell me or used to say i'm waiting for the upper taker not the undertaker now he faced the, um, the undertaker before he met the upper taker, but that's okay. He served faithfully. And God said, okay, Pastor Bunyan, your work on, here, on earth is done. I'm going to take you home to be with me. 
But he did meet the upper taker face to face. But you and I, we need to be living as though we're waiting for the upper taker to come at any moment. Because he could. We call it the imminent return of Jesus Christ to the clouds to catch up his bride. It's the rapture of the church. We sang about it a couple times this morning. What a great day that's going to be. Here's an example. We're going to close with this example. Um, Church history is full of examples of people who stood firm, who resisted the devil, who remained steadfast. One of them is a guy by the name of Martin Luther. Martin Luther stood before the Diet of Worms. It's a church council. He was, they accused him of being a heretic. You're, you're preaching what is not true, Martin. You must stop. And after being condemned for declaring that men are saved by faith alone in Christ alone... That's what he said when he, when he was reading and studying the book of Romans as a Catholic monk. The Holy Spirit began to open his eyes. And he understood that the sale of indulgences and the other things that the Catholic Church were doing were not biblical. Those things, the, the seven sacraments that they wanted you to keep, that they tried to force you to keep, which you can't even keep all seven of them. So anyway... Um, he was studying the word of God. He said, this doesn't make sense. It's not right. It's not true. It's not what the Bible says. So he went to the, uh, he went to the door of Wittenberg Depot, Depot with his 95 theses. These are the things that God's word says is true and my church contradicts them and I'm going to nail these on the door of the depot and I'm going to stand here with the truth of the word of God. And when the church read his 95 Theses, they said, we can't have this. So they said to him, Martin Luther, if you recant, you take back what you said, rip up the 95 Theses that that you posted on Wittenberg Depot, take them away, we will let you live. But if you don't, you'll have to die. What was Martin Luther's response? My conscience is captive to the word of God. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. Stand on the word of God. Stand on the truth of what scripture says and do nothing else. Here I stand, I cannot do anything else. Our stance, my friends, must be on the word of God. For those of us who are determined to walk the worthy walk and to be faithful to God's word, the only thing that we can do is stand firm. Never give up. The famous speech that Winston Churchill gave to a boys' school preparing for their future service. He got up to the podium and their teachers had said, Boys, you're going to hear the greatest man alive speak to you today. Make sure you take notes. He walked up to the podium and he says, Boys, never give up. Never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. And he turned around and he sat down. That was his speech. Not a lot of note taken in that speech. But you know what? The boys that heard that man say never give up 
Many of them probably never gave up. Because he was the kind of guy that commanded respect, commanded that you would follow out what he told you to do. Scripture says, stand firm. Remain in the fight. In fact, Scripture says, never, ever give up. Been reminded this morning of the power of our great God. With his power, he has done incredible things throughout the course of human history. And human history records it. Some people in history don't like to agree with it, but they can't, they can't really debate it. They can't say that it didn't happen because it did. We've also seen the power of our enemy this morning and and his ungodly hosts that serve him, how they will come after us and try to defeat us. But this morning, let's not focus on Satan's power because his power is limited. Rather, let's focus on the power of the almighty creator of the universe, the man, the God who planned our salvation in eternity past and accomplished it by his son through the cross of Jesus Christ. Not only does he provide with us the, the, all that we need to be saved, but he promises to sustain us throughout all of life if we but submit to his call and his plan for us. Let me conclude this morning with a quote from uh, John MacArthur. You can take this little pearl home with you and chew on it and determine to be victorious in your walk with the Lord. He said this, In the great spiritual warfare in which we do battle, we are only called to resist and to stand firm. As noted earlier, James says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And Peter counsels us to be sober spirit, to be on the alert because our adversary, the devil, is walking about, prowling about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But, Peter says, resist him and be firm in your faith. Now, you know what we use for a definition of faith around here, right? Believing that God is able to do what he says he will do in ordering my life accordingly, that's not that word. That word faith, firm in your faith, is the word that Jude wrote when it says the faith was once for all delivered to the saints. That's the truth of the word of God. Handed down from Jesus to the apostles, to the church fathers, to everyone who knows Jesus as their Savior. Stand firm in this faith that God has given to us and preserved for us down through the ages. The greatest joy comes in the greatest victories. And the greatest victories come from the greatest battles. And they're fought with the power and the armor of our great God. What do you have victory in? Victory in Jesus. That's what we have power in. That's what we have joy in. That's what we have victory in. So let us determine today as we, um, or when we eventually leave this place, let us be determined to go out in the armor that God has provided for us and to gain the victories that he has ordained for us to gain in the world in which we live, in the place he sends us. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you today. What a great reminder of the fact that we don't fight this battle. We don't do this work in and of ourselves. We're too feeble for that. We're not able to do that. We need your strength. We need your power. 
We need your working in and through us. And so, Lord, we do thank you for all that you have provided for us. And we're looking forward to soon getting into talking about this armor, not about the preparing with the armor, not about uh, the promises that God has made for us when we put the armor on. But we're actually going to look at the armor. Um, and, and we ask, Lord, that you would use that study to be an amazing encouragement to us in the battles that we face. Thank you for promising us to give us the victory when we stand firm against the attacks of Satan. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to let you know that next 